14, 6, he says this, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So we know that Jesus is truth. There is no deceit in him, no falsities in him, because he is truth. And then John 17, 17 tells us that God's word is truth. So you put these together and you see that Jesus' words, his promises, um, his statements, everything um, that he's ever said, everything is worthy of our trust. So if he says it, it is so, because he said it. And he is truth. When he makes a promise, he doesn't just mean I'll try or I'll do my best. See, God is not like us. He doesn't have any kind of stipulations or, or anything attached to promises. He doesn't have anything on the back end. He is holy. So his promises are not like ours because he's not like us. His word is holy, therefore we can trust it, right? So he is present. He is trustworthy and he is working constantly, constantly at work. There is never a moment when Jesus isn't at work. In John 5, 17, Jesus is responding to the Jews who were upset that Jesus had healed a lame man on the Sabbath. And he says to them, my father is still working and I am also working. I'm working also. And then Romans 8 says that Jesus is at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. And then you have to think about the gift of salvation, that there was nothing that you did to earn that. It was the work of Jesus and the work of him alone, right? And upon your belief in Christ, when you receive the Holy Spirit, he is now actively working in you to shape your character and to, and to empower your obedience, and then we're told in 1 John 2, uh, verses 1 and 2, that Jesus is our advocate when we sin, positioned between us and God, right? Christ declares our righteous standing because of his sacrifice on the cross for us and our faith in him. And more so, according to John 14, it says that he's preparing a place for you in heaven because he promised that he will come again and take you to himself so that where he is, you will be also always working, constantly moving, constantly working. And then we cling to that promise of his return. We long for it, and we know that he will indeed return. Why? Because he said he would. That's why. Because he said it, right? So he's present. He is trustworthy. He is constantly working, and he is faithful, He's faithful, or his faithfulness is unmasked, right? He is faithful to a fault. When Jesus had a choice in the desert to listen to the temptations of Satan, he chose not to, right? He remained faithful to what God had told him to do. And when he was confronted by the Pharisees and the religious leaders and everyone else who stood against him, he never wavered. He remained faithful to the Father's will. And when he had the opportunity to, or in the garden to reject the cross, he chose to be faithful to the Father. And he did this because he and the Father are one, right? And the Bible also tells us of his faithfulness to forgive. And the beautiful thing about the faithfulness of Jesus is that it remains even when we aren't so faithful. See, promises to us, they don't hold as much weight as they used to. Us as a society, like we just talked about it earlier, when we make promises, we kind of have stipulations to them and little caveats. And then we have to double down on our promises by talking about like, I promise. And you have to tell your kids you pinky promise because you've already promised and that didn't work before. So you got to add different levels of promising. We just aren't as trusting anymore as a society. And so the sad thing about that attitude that we have is that we allow that to creep into our relationship with Christ. 
And not only when we do that are we lessening the promise of Christ in our lives, but we also, we also allow it to cheapen our words back to him. So how many times do we have to say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I promise I won't do that again. And then we turn around and do it. How many times? We constantly do that. And here's something amazing that I find about Jesus in this. And all the attitude and all the failures and all the broken promises that we've given him, he still claims us. He still claims you. Right? So a lot of us are parents in here. Have you ever had your kids in the store and they've just, or anywhere really, and they've embarrassed you beyond like embarrassment? Like you've just been so embarrassed and you're grabbing your face and, and you really just like, I, you're not my kid. I don't know who you are. Or if you're with your spouse, you're like, that's your kid and not my kid anymore. I don't claim this kid. And so when I think about Jesus and his attitude towards, towards us, I'm reminded of Hebrews 2, 11, where it tells us that Jesus is not ashamed of us and that he calls us brothers and sisters. And so he sees that embarrassment. He sees the shame. He sees the grief and the brokenness and the really all that we have to offer. And he's like, yeah, that, that's, that's my person. <laughs> yeah, Brandon, he's mine. And he doesn't do it like embarrassed, like, yeah, he's mine. Come on. Like, he's like, no, 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 I'm proud of him. He's mine. Right? He's not ashamed of me. He's not ashamed of you. And he still claims you. And I think that's an amazing telling of his character and his faithfulness. So we have all this information, but what do we do with it? Well, I think it's pretty simple. And these aren't very long, drawn-out points. But the first one is this. I think we need to look back. We need to look back. Right? Where has he brought you from? How has he been faithful to you? And even if you couldn't see it at, at that moment, but now looking back, are you able to see his faithfulness and his trustworthiness and how he came through? Even if it wasn't the outcome you were hoping for, even if life isn't perfect, are you able to look back and see him? Can you see him? And when you're doing that, don't neglect the word in this because he's already given you countless examples of Christ and his word and his work in the scriptures. And you have something that the disciples didn't have, like the completed work of scripture. You have the completed work at your fingertips. God uses this book to reveal to us himself. And we find his character shining through each page. And what a great way to look back and to see how Christ has made good on his word time and time again. It's there for you. And so we look back to see his faithfulness in the past and his trustworthiness. And then we look ahead because he's proved it in the past and now he's called us to go, right? So we have to ask, where is he calling you? Or to whom is he calling you? And what reasons do you have for not going? And what are you allowing to get in the way of where he's leading? And ultimately, do you trust him? Like, do you trust him and his word? When he's called you to go, will you say yes? because you trust him, right? Or maybe you're scared because you really do feel alone, or maybe you feel like you can't do it. Well, you know, there was someone in scripture, a lot of people actually, but one that I thought of, Moses. He felt like he couldn't do it. He felt like he wasn't the right one for the job, and God chose him to go to Pharaoh and to free the Israelites, right? And so he felt inadequate, and honestly, he was right. Like, he was inadequate by himself, inadequate, the same as you and I. We are inadequate without the Lord. But Moses asked God, he said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God answered, he said, I will certainly be with you. It's that same promise. 
That same promise that he gave in the beginning that he gives to us now and, and continuing to give to us, that's the same promise that I certainly will be with you. And so his call on us as believers is clear. The promise to go, or the call on us to go is clear. And so the promise to be with us through this mission is also clear. So asking the Lord for wisdom and guidance is important for us to do. Asking him to align our desires with his. And then asking him to help us in our trust with him and his promise to be with us. To actually believe it. And so we look back, we look ahead, and then we look at Christ. Now, this whole time, we've been looking at Christ. It's not as if we haven't been, but I want us to look at him this time to examine and evaluate ourselves, okay? So we've been called to be like Christ. If that's the case, then our own character should display him. It should display that, including our own truthfulness and the integrity of our word. So Jesus says in Matthew 5, 37, to let your yes be yes and your no be no. Honestly, we shouldn't even have to make promises if we're, if we're just being honest about it. We shouldn't have to say, I promise, right? Does your word have a weight to it when it comes to the promises that you make? Do you mean what you say to the Lord or really anybody for that matter? Will you come through on what you say or do you not? Or have you proven that your word really means nothing? Do you have to say, I promise, in order to be believed or for it to be believable? And if you find yourself struggling to believe and accept him at his word, then more than likely you're having a hard time with faith and belief in Christ in general. He has given us every reason to believe and trust him at his word. He says that he'll be with us, and then it's so. And so lastly, what this really brings us to is, is more of a, of a question of faith, honestly, because whether you're looking back or you're looking ahead or you're simply just looking at Christ, you have to ask yourself, what do I believe about all of this? Because to doubt his word here means that you probably don't hold it in high regard elsewhere. So what caused you to believe in Christ? Why did you give your life to him in the first place? Why did you believe that you were a sinner who needed saving? Well, it was his word that revealed that to you. It was the truth of his word that revealed that to you, and you believed it, and you accepted it. You trusted it. So if you don't trust it here, then how can you trust it there? How can we pick and choose if God is truth, if Jesus' words are truth, and how can we choose to believe this truth here and not to believe this truth here if it's all truth? We can't. It shows something that's messed up in us. And you can see how doubting his word, even in this simple promise to be with you, how that can creep into everything else his word says and the authority that we give it. And so we're going to be able to go into a time of communion this morning, and I want us to spend some time reflecting and looking back, looking ahead, and then looking at Christ to evaluate all of this stuff. How has he been faithful? How can you trust his faithfulness in the future? And how are you in your relationship with him, how are you modeling the trustworthiness and integrity of Christ in your life? And then lastly, if you're here and you're just not a believer, like if you're like, this sounds cool, but I just don't know. I don't, I don't have what you're talking about. Then the offer is for you today. 
the truth that you needed a Savior and that he came and that he died on the cross for you to make a way when there was no way made for you outside of him. You could not be good enough. You could not earn it, but he gives it to you freely if you believe because he came and took the price for our sin. And if you believe in him, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, that you'll be saved. And it's as simple as that. And so maybe this time of prayer and communion is for you to believe for the first time. And I would encourage you that as we go into this time that you would surrender your life to him and don't leave here without letting one of us know. So for the rest of us, let's pray and let's um, go into this time of communion together. Father God, I'm thankful, Lord, for the faithfulness of your word, for the faithfulness of your character and the truth that you are. And I pray, Lord, that when we hear these promises in the word, um, that we would cling to them, God, that we would trust you at your word and that we know without a shadow of a doubt that if you said it, it will come to be. Would you help us as we wrestle with this mission to go and to make disciples, to go where you've called us, to the workplace, to schools, to our neighbors, to our friends. God, that you are with us, that you have equipped us, and that you help us. And God, if there's anybody in this room, God, who, who is here, but they don't know you, they've not surrendered their life to you, I pray, Lord, that today would be the day of their salvation, that you would save them, that they would tell you right now that they believe in you, that they accept you as their Savior, that they want to follow you, they want to live for you. But they do that this morning. And so we give you praise for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen.